In 2017, at age 63, I attended a conference. Actually, yeah, it was in uh, L.A. Anyway, part of that was filmed. It was actually a get-together of folks who remember the old TV Superman show. I wrote a book on that, and I was invited to be one of the speakers. At any rate, I saw myself on the video after the fact, and I thought, who is that? That guy looks like he's old and he's out of shape, and I was just flabbergasted. I thought I knew what I looked like by looking in the cage, but something just struck me that I needed to do something, exercise, and so forth, and try to regain a more youthful physique. And to be quite honest with you, even though I'm a professor and I'm a nutritionist by training, I can tell myself very easily how to eat properly. Forget frequently asked questions, common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Peter Morano. He's the founder of what's called Old Man Muscle Fitness. So we're going to talk about his work, you know, how old is old and uh, what kind of fitness is different for, for older guys. So, Peter, thanks for coming. It's my pleasure. Yeah, tell me a bit about some of your background. And, you know, why is uh, older man's fitness important to you? Well, sure. First of all, I'm a baby boomer, born in 1954, so I'm just about to turn 69. And I would say that uh, for the past five decades, I've been sedentary for the most part. You know, when I was growing up, I loved first baseball and then basketball. I grew up in New York and had the good uh, basketball teams. The Knicks won two championships in the early 70s, and I did a lot of schoolyard playing and park playing, etc. And I just um, loved basketball. I was in pretty good shape. I had a 38-inch vertical jump. I didn't do any weight training at that time. I was just simply interested in basketball. But get to your question. In 2017, at age 63, I attended a conference, actually, yeah, it was in uh, L.A., I believe. Anyway, part of that was filmed. It was actually a get-together of folks who remember the old TV Superman show. I wrote a book on that, and I was invited to be one of the speakers. At any rate, I saw myself on the video after the fact, and I thought, who is that? That guy looks like he's old and he's out of shape. And I was just flabbergasted. I thought I knew what I looked like by looking in the mirror, but something just struck me that I needed to do something, exercise and so forth, and, and try to regain a more youthful physique. And to be quite honest with you, even though I'm a professor and I'm a nutritionist by training, I can tell myself very easily how to eat properly. But as far as exercise, I really didn't have a clue. I knew certain things about the science but I didn't know how to put together an exercise program, especially for somebody who at the time was 63 years old and had not been exercising. So that was a very daunting challenge. So what I decided to do is join a gym and be trained and learn directly how a, a coach or a, a fitness trainer operates by observing my trainer. 
And then, of course, being the client myself and understanding the different exercises, the whys and wherefores of navigating through the gym. And so that took a little bit of time. And then I got hooked to the point where I became certified as a strength trainer myself. And I, I went for two different certifications. And I'm glad I did because each one was uh, complementary to the other, but different. And I, I got a more rounded perspective. I was certified first with base. American Council on Exercise, and then ISSA, International Sports Sciences Association. And I just kind of never looked back. I decided that I would retire from my job at the university, teaching and, and performing research in nutrition, food science. And instead, I would reinvent myself as a strength trainer or a certified personal trainer of older men because when I was thinking about being trained, the last thing I wanted to do was to join a gym that was full of young fellas in their 20s and so forth, already looking to be in pretty good shape compared to me. It would be too, I think, intimidating. So I wanted to be a trainer of roughly my age group because I know what it's like to get old. I know what it's like to have pain in the shoulder. I know what it's like to have surgery in the hip and so on and so forth. So I could relate to the client. I wouldn't uh, necessarily feel intimidated because the trainer is some young guy who's really in good shape. Well, how good a shape would you say you're in now? Like, what are some of the stats and all that? Have you have you gone really far with it, or you just want to get yourself in like decent shape? Well, I can I can give you a simple answer. I can wear clothing I was not able to wear that was hiding in the closet previously, but I had become heavy, couldn't get into it anymore. But I always had the idea in the back of my head: well, I'll lose weight one of these days. You know, everything will fit fine, and it'll still be like new since it's been so much time. So the first thing that I noticed is that my, my clothing was fitting much better. And, of course, did you look at yourself in the mirror, and I was starting to see some definition in the muscles, which was pleasing, because I didn't know for sure my body was going to respond. Okay? And that's one of the questions that you know, the older men asked is, will this really help me? Can, can I actually build muscle at my age? Okay, and I have a client who's 79, and I have another client who's 88, and the answer is yes, because the body was designed exactly. Most, most older guys don't realize that. They, they just kind of get old, think it's just normal, that um, we're not going to improve, we're just going to slowly deteriorate and end up, you know, six feet under one day. But the reality is that the body is created in a way that it will adapt to stress. And strength training is a stress that's a good stress. And the body will adapt in a good way by remodeling itself, is the term. And that goes for the muscle. It also goes for the brain. So when we strength train, when we exercise in general, we have those two benefits. We have a benefit to the mind, which is very appealing to the physical quite frankly, because when I was in the classroom up till 2020, I started to notice that it was harder to come up with a particular word that, that I was searching for as I was speaking. I didn't think the students could tell because they, they didn't know what I was thinking about and about to speak on, but I could tell. And so there was that, what they call mental fog or fuzziness. And when I started to strength train, essentially what happens is your heart rate increases, your ventilation rate increases, this gets more nutrients and oxygen to the brain. 
that's what it needs because the brain, just like the body, will get sluggish. We age if we don't do anything differently. And that's the whole key is that we can't stay the way we are if we are older and we're inactive. We have to become what the term is, an active ager. And this is not becoming a bodybuilder. So I can't give you swaps. I don't measure my bicep. I don't measure my chest or anything like that. I just take into account how do I feel, how clear is my thought process, and can I get through the day's activities fairly easily? Am I smiling and laughing, or am I finding out in pain on there, feeling terrible? So after strength training, I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's a cure-all for everything. It's not. But it certainly has helped me and many, many other older men to achieve a better overall health outcome. Another question, well, I should say another answer I can give you to your question is that my, my heart rate was a little high and my blood pressure was a little high. They have come down to the level of a 20-year-old. So that's reverse aging. Before we continue... I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now, back to the show. Well, that's great. Yeah. It is. So what's um, something? Yeah, go ahead. I've been in and out of shape, you know, my whole life. The last time, okay. you know, I was like 36 and I was way out and I started again and, you know, it it really helped a lot, but it took longer to get back in. And then, you know, and I probably three or four years ago, again, I had stopped and then I got back into it and it was even harder and slower. So is that what you experience like each time where the people you coach, like as they get older, is it harder and slower and longer to get back each time they work out again after stopping? Well, you're absolutely right. I can't tell you that from my own personal experience because I just didn't train <laughs> for decades. But when I started training, of course, I realized I wasn't anything like when I was 20 or 25. So you do lose a lot of muscle mass over the years. And it's not just because you're not using your muscles in some athletic way. There's something called sarcopenia, which most fellows don't know what the heck that is. It's a condition that is happening to you and to me and to every person on this planet. And after a certain age, let's just say age 30, we lose muscle mass by a small degree. It's about 1% a year, but then it accelerates to 3 to 5% a year as we get up in age 60, 70, and so forth, which ends up being a significant amount per year and then per decade if you don't do something about it. And the, the good news, though, and I wrote about this in my book, I wanted to make sure that people understood that you don't have to just take it. You don't have to put up with sarcopenia. And sarcopenia itself is a loss of muscle mass and loss of muscle function. So your body looks sort of shrunk in terms of its muscle. I'm sure you've seen bodies that look like that. And again, it's a consequence of just 
getting older and not being active, certainly not pushing any weights around in an organized fashion according to a, a program or a training plan, and that's what's needed. He just walks into a gym and say, oh, I'm going to lift some weights today and, you know, come back uh, two or three times a week and expect to get results. You have to have a plan or else you're not necessarily lifting properly. You may not be performing the right exercises for your age and so forth. So there's a little bit to know. And that's what I, you know, what, what's, I wanted to what's, get... what's different about training people? Like, like what are the milestones and the ages of the people you train? Is it 10 year increments or like, you know, everyone's different. I understand, but what do you notice about your clients at 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? I appreciate the question. I don't have quite the experience yet in time to notice that, but from what I've read, it's, it's more like every five years is a milestone, 10 years. And there's, there's a, a lot of time, uh, if somebody's in their late sixties, early seventies or late seventies, they may not have much time left. The um, average life expectancy in this country is 79 years for men right now. But the, the longest that a person can live is 122 years. So there's a huge gap between when people tend to die and how long they could live. And most of that can be changed, can be improved according to your lifestyle. It's not all genetics at all. There's now something called epigenetic. Literally looks at the impact of how you live your life on a variety of things, endpoints, including your uh, eventual death year. So this is something that we can take a little bit of control over, which, again, was news to me when I started looking into this and getting serious about it for myself. And um, I like to tell my clients and anybody, really, about the five categories of aging and that all of them can be controlled except one of them to a certain degree by us. The one that we can't control, you probably would guess, is chronological aging. So if I'm 69 years old, according to the calendar, that that's true and I can't change that. But there's something called functional aging and that has to do with how well or not we can perform our ADL activities of daily living. And two people the same age can vary quite a bit in terms of being able to perform something as simple as if I ask a client to get down on the floor and then say, okay, now I want to see you get up without any assistance. Now, spinning around on the floor. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is like, that's a really good exercise is to lay down on the floor and get up. Oh lay down God. on the floor and get up 10 times. You got and it. It's hard. And you see, you have to have whole body strength to do that. And so when you ask me the question about sort of age appropriate training, yes, we want to work out the whole body. We want to do a whole body workout. We're not doing a split like the bodybuilders do where they'll work out the upper body on Monday, then they'll focus on the legs on Tuesday and then do the back on Wednesday, all of that. No, we want to do the whole body two or three times a week. If you're in your 90s, once a week is fine. And specific exercises would include primarily major muscle muscle groups and joints work together, such as performing a squat, if you can. And there are all manner of modifications. Pull-ups, men in their 60s and older, you know how many pull-ups the average man in that age group can perform? Zero. I don't, I don't think... I think for most men, the average pull-ups they can perform is zero unless they train. No matter the most, I think so too. It's a very difficult exercise, but you you go on social media and you'll see these guys flying up and down the bar. It must be nice. But what I was going to say is, in my gym, I, I know the value of the pull-up. 
for grip strength, which is correlated to longevity. So the stronger your grip, the longer you're likely to live. People don't know that. Your walking speed is correlated to longevity. The faster you can walk, the longer you're going to live, most likely. But what I was going to say is, I have a modified pull-up apparatus in my gym where we get down on a mop and the bar we can actually sit on a squat rack at about four feet high so we're we're on our back on this mop we reach up we kind of sit up and grab the bar with the overhand grip and then we lay back down and we pull ourselves up but we have our legs on the floor and we can actually use our legs to help us get up and back down and up and down so it turns into a whole body pull-up rather than just the upper body, which makes it perfect for the older guys because, A, they can do it. They go do 10. We do a set of 10 reps. You can vary the contribution of your legs from a lot to nothing. And when you get down to nothing, you know you've strengthened your upper body, not just your whole body. I should say not just the legs, which are doing sometimes a lot of the work. But I want the fellas to feel... First of all, that they can do this pull-up thing now. They can use the legs to a certain degree, and they control how much the leg is going to work. And they can get to a point where they put the legs flat on the ground and they're, they're pulling themselves up four feet off the ground. That's not your traditional pull-up, of course, by any means, but it's a pull-up. And it's, and it's so a good exercise, and, and it's a confidence builder. We do those. We do modified push-up using a neutral grip rather than a, a grip, I should say a neutral hand position on the floor rather than the traditional, which is a little rough on the wrist joint. I'm always looking out for these joint issues because they are there in this age group because people have spent a lifetime abusing their bodies. You know, not intentionally, but I'm calling it abusing just what we do day in and day out. And so, the, you know, if you ask a fellow who's 65 or 70, do you have shoulder pain? Nine times out of ten, they say, oh, yeah, and that's just the way it is, or knee pain, or hip pain, pain, lower back. What are the reasons that older folks tell you they want to work out with you? How do you find these people? Okay, yeah, it's, it's usually a combination of I want to regain some strength and I want to lose weight, and it's those two. And those are realistic goals. As long as we understand it's not going to happen overnight, it took years that took decades to get ourselves into the shape we find ourselves in at age 50 or 60 or plus and it will take time to reverse that to any degree but it will come if and only if we have an appropriate age appropriate training program we have a client appropriate training program because no two clients are the same with the same bodies or the same needs and that we we put in the right program as far as exercises and what they call periodicity, which would be the number of exercises per week and the number of training days per week. So all of that a good trainer is able to do. That's what the job is all about, is fitting an exercise routine or program to their client. And you just don't see too many who are specialists in older people. Most of the trainers in town here are young, and that's certainly understandable because the people who go to the gym to be trained or young, but I'm happy to say that I'm one of the old in town. Yeah, I would think too that your clients are not doing heavy weights, but form is probably incredibly important and you have to pay a lot of attention to each client, not you know, not being sitting there texting while they're like yeah. throwing weights around. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, 
you could imagine that we, we have interesting conversations about the good old days and how things are different now and all of that. Everything's complicated. There's no app that I use for training people. We just get in the gym and we sort of train the old school way. And the old school way works, I'm happy to say. The old school way uses free weights. I also have cable machines and those are easier on the joints. So depending on the how the client presents, I'll do an evaluation. And if it appears that they haven't abused their body as much as the other guy who just uh, came in and left, then I'll put him on a slightly different training regimen. Um, it's, it's often a mixture of free weights and cable machines and body weight. You can also use um, exercise bands and so forth. So there's quite a variety of training modalities available. Um, it's not just, we don't actually use barbells, in fact. So we, we stick to, if it's a free weight, it's going to be a kettlebell or a dumbbell, which are much easier to control than a barbell. Yeah, I got you. What do you notice in the behavior of the clients? Are they uh, more consistent? Are they more patient? Or are they just this guy uh, like younger, younger clients? Well, I don't have any younger clients, so I can't make that comparison. But what I can tell you is that the fellows that I'm training are dedicated. They come in, and if, if they miss a day because they have to travel to London or Hawaii or something on business, they contact me and they make it up. And so that's that's one thing that I appreciate in these fellows. In fact, a client I trained this morning before the call, now he had done a lot of traveling in December, and he did the best he could while he was away to use workout rooms and hotels and so forth, exercise rooms. It's not quite the same as having a, a personal trainer. That's that's one thing I, I would say an older client really needs a personal trainer more than a, a younger fella. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, you touched on, you have to have the right form. If you don't have the right form, and we do spend a lot of time up front on that, I don't allow the, the client to progress until they have the right form for each exercise. And that's in order to prevent injury. And um, a lot of people who go into the gym sort of recreationally, they poo-poo the idea of stretching beforehand. They think that's for sissies. That would be a big mistake for an older client. And so one thing I make sure that we do before each workout is that we do dynamic stretching. And a lot of folks don't know the difference between dynamic and static stretching. We do dynamic stretching before the workout as a warm-up we do static stretching at the end of the workout because I don't want clients walking out all tight. I want them to be loose and feel like they can take on the day without any problems. Not that they're going to have a trouble getting into their car when they walk out of here. So very important to have a progression of warm-up with dynamic stretching. And then that does what a warm-up is supposed to do, heats up sort of the joints and gets the blood flowing to the muscles. And the analogy is, if you just try to work out cold without warming up, you're like a rubber band put in a freezer, and then you take it out and you try to stretch it. What's going to happen? It's going to break. It's going to crack. Okay? And that's the, an extreme analogy, but it serves the purpose. If the rubber band had been warmed, uh, it would be nice and flexible. So the same thing with our joints and our muscles. We want them to warm up. That's why we do the, the, wor the warm-up exercises and dynamic stretching. I'll give you an example of a very simple dynamic stretch that we do. It's the overhead reach. It's taking each arm alternating and reaching straight up over your head, not fast, not too fast, but at a good pace. And breathing is another thing that if you're training yourself, you probably don't know what you're doing. 
have to breathe properly. There's a correct way to breathe for every movement. And I spend a lot of time with the clients to get them to try to have the right breathing cadence. So you're tending to exhale as you're pushing, okay, or pulling. A lot of exercises can be reduced to a push or pull movement. Sometimes there's rotation as well. But, for instance, when you do the overhead reach, you're fighting gravity on the way up. So you're going to exhale as you push up, and then in inhale as you bring your arm down, and then exhale again as you push up. And you could see how that would translate to any kind of overhead dumbbell press. So we, we have to learn the proper breathing technique in addition to just the technique for the exercise itself, the lift. All of that's important. And then there's the... Well, I bet. No, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, you know, the nice thing is, you know, I'm 47, so I'm not... Okay. That old, that old yet, but I'm getting there. But, um, you know, I'm a lot more patient. I don't need to use heavy weights. I don't care. Who am I going to impress? You know, I'm married. I have kids. You've and, been there, done yeah, that. I, you don't have to impress anybody. Yeah, I just want, I want to be functional. So I, I feel like I have a Good. more patient, relaxed, you know, way of uh, looking at working out. I, I hope your clients do too. I would think they would. Like, what do you see? Yes. For the most part, that is quite true. Everybody is a little different. Some are a little more competitive. And uh, for instance, I started a client who's who's been with me over a year now. This year, I'm doing a little bit of what the, the term is plyometrics. And the way I use it, it just means high intensity. And so I, I have the client go through a, a series of exercise routines as fast as he can. And this fella is 65. Okay. I wouldn't have had him do it last year. He's dropped a lot of weight and he's put on muscle. And he's, he's just ready in spite of being 65. That's the great thing. I love seeing that. And he went through uh, his routines yesterday at, I would say, more than doubled speed. And it, it puts a, a little bit of a strain on you, but it's good stress, as we say in the gym. Yeah. There's good stress, then there's bad stress. And so what you're doing is, is admirable because you're, you're taking away the bad stress. If people come into the gym uptight, and, you know, with some whatever problems in, on their mind, you have to just clear that away, uh, take away the, the need to impress yourself or anyone else. Just be confident that you're making things better. Uh, you're, you're increasing your heart rate, which is going to make your body's ability to oxygenate itself more efficient, more effective. That's going to help your heart, actually, so that uh, your heart doesn't have to pump harder throughout the day it's becoming uh, easier to, to move oxygen around through the blood. Uh, the, the muscles are going to engage in muscle protein synthesis. In spite of sarcopenia, in spite of anabolic resistance, which I'd love to talk about if there's time, that's another condition that we face that we don't realize we're facing, anabolic resistance. Well, what is that? Yeah, please go ahead. Ah, sure. So you've heard of the word probably anabolic steroids. So right. to be clear, we don't touch those. As older men, uh, I know there are people in the movie industry who are clearly using them, and it's just it goes with the territory. They have to in order to to make the uh, the character. And uh, Arnold and Lou Ferrigno were famous for using steroids, and you can tell a steroid body instantly from a a natural bodybuilder body. Even though we're not into bodybuilding per se, strength training, we're using the same tools 
and technique. We're just, we have a different goal. It's not to create a sculpted physique or a gigantic, monstrous, muscle-bound physique to be able to get off <laughs> up off the ground. It's to be able to perform our normal daily activities without much fuss or bother or help, uh, hopefully not to have to rely on canes, walkers, and so forth. But um, what, what was it, anabolic resistance? You wanted me to talk about that, right? Yeah, I'm not I sure what that means. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, does that okay. mean? Okay. All right. So there, there's anabolic resistance means, as you know the word resistance, it's resistance to becoming in an anabolic condition. So it would be resistance to putting on muscle, for instance. And that happens as we age. It's harder to put on muscle. It's not impossible, but you have to have a strategy. It's not just going to happen. You know, if I wake up one day at age 65 and say, I'm going to start working out, and I'm going to put on muscle, I will be disappointed if I don't have the right strategy. The correct strategy involves a couple of things. Number one, strength training. Can't do it with cardio. I sent a photo with my email, and it says you can't flex cardio. <laughs> cardio has its benefits, but when we become older men, we should do strength training first. You can still do some cardio. I'm not saying not to do cardio. But if you do cardio and don't strength train, that's the mistake because you don't get strength. You don't get stronger. You don't develop the strength that you need to move off the toilet, up and down, get out of bed, and so on and so forth with cardio. There's some more benefits to strength training over cardio in terms of increasing metabolism and therefore burning more calories. This happens during cardio on the treadmill or the bike, but the minute you get off, it stops. You stop burning extra calories as you come back to baseline heart rate and breathing. But with strength training, because muscle tissue is being stressed and injured, micro tears, and this, these are good tears, the body has a, uh, an adaptation where it will repair the tears and build extra size and strength into that torn tissue. So you, you're actually rebuilding, remodeling, improving your body when you strength train, but if and only if you have enough protein to get into the muscle. So the number one problem that older fellows have is they don't realize that their protein intake requirement is greater now that they're older than when they were younger, and it's even greater still now that they're strength training because they're destroying some muscle tissue that has to now be repaired, and the building block for muscle is protein. So I have to teach, and I'm glad to do this because I am a nutritionist professionally, them about protein intake and how much they need, and that they're probably, even though they might think, well, I eat eggs, I eat ham, I eat steak, I eat this, I eat that. Yeah, let's calculate it. And how much do you weigh? Oh, you weigh 195, almost 200 pounds. You need close to 200 grams of protein a day, at least 150. And let's figure out how much you typically consume. Oh, it's 95. You're way short. And so what this means is, let me back up just a minute. It would be wonderful if muscle stayed once you build it, right? But you know, the minute you stop training, you stop carrying the same amount of muscle mass as you did a week, a month ago, you lose it. It's not like fat. Fat we can't get rid of. Muscle, it goes away on its own, and it's because there's daily muscle turnover in the body. Muscle is constantly being sort of recycled. And if we don't replenish 
we're going to lose more than we build. That's why we need to shift into an anabolic state day in and day out. And that requires some planning, some strategizing. And all it is, to make it simple, is we need to intake more protein than we think. There are some supplements that are anabolic supplements, which are not steroids, which we can also consider adding to our diet. And I usually talk to clients about five or six of them, and I leave it up to them whether they want to engage in that practice. I do use some of them myself, absolutely, because I know that they help give me a boost in terms of muscle protein synthesis. It gets over the hump of the anabolic resistance to building muscle, the anabolic resistance to training, to exercise, to strength training as well. So we have to be smart about which exercises we're going to perform because the muscle is not going to respond at age 70 the way it does at age 20. Are you trying well, um, to- do, do you uh, do much posture work? Because I see a lot of older folks, they're, you know, they're bent, they're gnarled, they're, you know, over the years, not only have they not maintained muscle, but their posture is bad. You know, their backs are bad. Posture, excuse me. No, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we do some balance and flexibility work as part of the, the cool down period once we're done with our strength training. Um, each client, like I say, would get an evaluation, receive an evaluation. A lot of men have compensations uh, that can affect posture where they're, they're leaning to one side, and I can see that on just a visual observation, that they don't walk with their back straight up, and we have to keep a, a neutral spine when we exercise, when we lift weights especially, to avoid injury, primarily to uh, the lower spine, and um, that is absolutely a problem. And so if someone comes in presenting some of these challenges, the exercise program is needing to be adjusted accordingly. One size does not fit all. So uh, someone might come in, like you say, with neck problems, lower lower back. You're not going to throw that person out into the, the gym floor and have them do bench presses and squats from day one. You have to uh, ease your way into that gradually. Lightweight at first, body weight is probably the best way to do it. I have a uh, variety of equipment in here. One is the battle ropes where it's these two uh, thick ropes, uh, kind of like the rope that you would use to climb up uh, in gym class if they still do that. I remember doing that as a kid in grade school. It was terrifying. But what you do is you hold on to these ropes, uh, one per hand, and they extend out about 15, 20 feet, and you can do all kinds of work with them, including body weight squats. I have no cartilage in either knee, so I'm a candidate for double knee replacement. I can do a squat using the battle rope all the way down to the ground because the battle rope gives me the leverage that I need and provides me the boost to my balance. Whereas if I didn't have anything like the battle ropes to hold, knee pain would be excruciating and I just couldn't go down. So there's all kinds of modifications to do. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, like TRX is really good too. Similar to that. I don't know if you've used TRX for clients. No, Um, I I mean, it's kind of funny, but when I was, again, when I was like in my mid-30s, I started working out again and it had been a while and my testosterone kind of went crazy. Do you experience that with the older guys? Like, I would guess, again, at their age, a lot of them probably do have low testosterone. Now, when you say it went crazy, do you have it checked? So do they? And uh, I don't value the value of changing? I, I, I could tell. I, I did have it checked eventually, but uh, you could tell when it goes way up. 
what? If that makes sense. Okay. More like, I'll tell you a couple of funny things. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, my uh, drive, my drive went up a lot. Like, yeah, your libido goes up like, uh, went up like crazy. But also, too, I was able to, to think a lot more clearly. My mind was sharper. And then when that's I, that's right, it, that it, one is the, the level, it was higher. Yeah. Good. But yet, you notice on a lot of clients. people, what do they experience? Well, been researched. And of course, that's one of the number one things on minds of the older men is my testosterone, just like my muscle mass, has been declining. Guess what? There's a connection between the two over the years, and my sex drive is at rock bottom, and I just don't, you know, I, my mind is fuzzy. All of those things are related to testosterone levels. You have no strength, so it's connected. It's all connected. And the question is, can you restore testosterone levels naturally? And the answer is yes to a degree. It's not going to be like 20 or 30-year-olds, okay? But it, it, it can be enough to sort of put you over the barrier so that you're no longer experiencing the negatives that are problematic. And diet has something to do with it. But one thing that people don't think about that is huge is adequate sleep. Sleep is a tremendous killer of testosterone levels if we don't get enough of it. And so when we get older... A lot of fellas come in and I ask them how many hours of sleep you get a night per night. Oh, I don't sleep very well. I'm up, you know, three or four times a night and uh, maybe I get six hours total. That's that's terrible. That's, uh, that's going to dash your testosterone levels, even if you work out. So you have to do everything right. You have to have the right diet for testosterone building. That means fat, quite frankly, lipid food lipids. So if you want to do a low-fat diet, Kiss your cholesterol testosterone levels goodbye because <laughs> you need fat. Actually, cholesterol is a precursor to mm. testosterone. So if you're not having any animal fat in your diet, it's going to be pretty tough to get T levels up. But the good news is with the right diet, with enough sleep, and with the right training program, a training program, you can have your levels rebound. And there are Supposedly, some, there are a lot of supplements on the market which are not researched. And any research that ha I've seen is very inconclusive in terms of boosting uh, T levels. But I imagine that um, there's going to be something out there one of these days that is a, a little bit of a boost to T levels. It's just not, I, I can't see anything there yet. In the meantime, the other factors that we can control are important especially the sleep. And there is one other that has been researched that is a, a downer in terms of testosterone levels. And it's actually being shown in young men that are growing up now that they're having extremely low testosterone levels, which have not been the case in previous decades. And it's believed to be due to the plastic that we are exposed to, especially food and drink. So when you buy bottled water, the containers that the water's in, is containing chemicals that some research is showing decreases T levels and increases uh, estradiol, estrogen levels. So we have to watch out for everything, including that. Now, do I put every water that I drink into a glass container like I should? No, because it's inconvenient and I'm in a rush and all of that. But I know that it would always be better if I minimize my exposure to plastics. So there's a lot to know. I don't want to make it sound like testosterone is out the window when you're older. No, it doesn't have to be. And quite frankly, the type of lifting that you do is believed to impact the T levels 
differentially. So problem is lifting heavy has, has been reported to be the best in terms of elevating testosterone. And when we're older, we don't want to lift heavy because of our joints. It, 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 but even it, but heavy, heavy for someone that's 70 doesn't have to be like heavy for someone that's 20, you know, so you could lift, I guess, quote unquote, a little bit heavy for them, but it doesn't have to be very high weights. Well, you're actually hitting on something that these studies, they really need to be age specific. So there aren't that many studies. There are some, but there aren't as many as we need on older clients. And there's a difference between previously trained older client or any age client and one who is untrained. So all of these factors go into the results. And I agree with you regarding you know, heavy weights for a younger person in the training program are not going to be identical to an older person. So the other way around that, that I'm relying on is training volume. And there's been, I think, enough work done now, at least it's starting to be enough to show that training volume rather than, you know, lift heavy, but few reps, lift light, but lots of reps, you'll find that the different experts and different entities will advocate for one versus the other. But lately, it seems like it doesn't really matter if you lift light and have high reps or lift heavy and have low reps. As long as you're calculating your training volume at the end to be a certain number that is your goal. So what I do with, with the clients is I calculate their training volume. And we can use light or moderate weight rather than a heavy weight to achieve the same amount of weight lifted at the end of the workout, say 10,000 pounds. And that just blows their minds. They say, okay, you know how much weight you lifted today? 8,500 pounds. That's cool. Now, the average older man off the street, age 65, who comes into the gym, I would never expect or ask them to, to lift that much weight. They, they might lift 1,000 pounds or 1,500 by the end of the workout, okay? Because you have to do these things gradually. But I have fellas in here who are at the 10,000-pound mark now. And it's, it's not by lifting 10,000 pounds one time. <laughs> it's by lifting a lighter weight many times through a variety of exercises. We usually perform, as I said, free weight and a cable machine. The cable machines are great, but they tend to do a lot of the work. <laughs> so if you've got 100 pounds stacked up on your cable machine, you're not really lifting 100 pounds. It looks impressive, though. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> what do you... Uh... You mentioned that if, if someone's, let's say, in their 90s, that they'd only need to work out once a week. Is that because the recovery time is data. so much? Well, is, is that because recovery time, time or what's the reason? Well, it's a combination of things. You're right about recovery time. Re recovery time increases the older we get. And um, the best way to sort of get a handle on your individual recovery time needs is to know your body and there's something called DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. DOMS, a good thing. It's indicating that your body has received sufficient stress that the muscles have torn. And so now the body is going to go into the rebuilding, remodeling uh, phase. But that takes longer when you're older. So you don't want to work out three days a week with just a day off in between because you, you didn't give your body that's older now enough time to rebuild, and so it's going to be tearing it up again too soon. But it's just that simple. So again, age-appropriate, very important. Age-appropriate training, age-appropriate rest 
it's rest, but also sleep. Rest is also important in between sets and becomes more important the older we get. So if if Arnold is working out and I only need five seconds between exercise, yeah, that was good for Arnold, and yeah. it's not going to be good for a client who's 70 who has not worked out before. Well, I saw Arnold. I, I got to meet him like three or four years ago at the Arnold Classic. Oh, don't tell him I yeah. did that terrible impression, please. <laughs> oh, no, it's all right. But but he's, you know, he's he's got a big stitch in his stride, I think, from falling through the stage in South Africa like 50 years ago, which, you know, wow. now is kind of coming back to haunt him. And, yeah, he still works out a bit and stuff like that. But he's, you know, I guess that's a whole other thing. But, you know, if you really build up tons of muscle, how do you come down from that as you get older and not, turn into a mess yeah i've seen some people like they they push their body really hard when they're young and then they're just they toss oh they're in wheelchair yeah. football players etc absolutely basketball players they they stress the body they pushed it to the limit they are elite athletes and bodybuilders consider themselves athletes absolutely and yeah to come down from that you have to change your whole lifestyle, so you're you're not going to be training, you're not going to be taking the steroids like you used to, and you can't be eating like a horse like you used to. When when you're burning, when your body is able to metabolize five thousand calories a day and not put on any extra weight, that's one thing. But that those days go away, and so you have to change your your whole lifestyle is the answer. And many people don't realize that or even know how to do that because they're well this worked for me when i was 30 and 25 it should work for me now nope not not true you have to make an adjustment yeah you don't hear about those things and you have to get surgeries maybe and then recover from that and it takes time as you said the older you get the longer the recovery time for training but also surgery that sets you back and then when you get back into training it can't be right away where from where you left off you have to get back slowly and as long as you know that and you work that angle uh, things can happen that are good yeah yeah excellent the body is just amazing in how it can respond at any age that's what i was going to ask you so you you said you have one client that's like 88 um yeah are they very different from the ones in the 60s and 70s or you know yeah it's a, just a continuum no i mean i noticed Certainly a, di- a difference. Uh, the client also has myasthenia gravis, which is a muscle disease. It's an autoimmune disease where the the body is actually sending antibodies to the junction between nerve and muscle, which is a bad thing because it's blocking the, the nerve impulses to get the muscles to contract. So we have to have a, a strategy to try to address that. And it used to be that, well... I feel better when I don't do anything, so I rest. Mm. Okay, that works up to a point, but eventually your, your muscle tissue, your muscle mass is going to be so compromised, the functioning is not going to be there, and then where do you go? So mm. research shows that the people with that condition, and let's just say anyone who's advanced in age like 88 years old, they need to strength train because that will provide them a baseline of strength so that hopefully, and, and this person can perform many of their ADLs. And I'll tell you that one great fear for this person and others in that age group, and even younger, is falling. 
And this person mm-hmm. told me yeah. just the other day, I, I got up in the middle of the night, used the restroom, and I felt like I was going to fall. I was terrified. And so something you brought up earlier about posture and so forth, I, I, I made one comment. I said, well, where were your feet positioned and how were they positioned? Because if you stand with your feet close together, you don't have good balance compared to if you spread them apart, you have much more stability that way. So I said, always make sure when you get up out of bed that your feet, your legs are spread apart to the point where you feel like you've got some power and some stability. And also your arms, if your feet are close together, then kind of flapping around, flailing, and to balance yourself. You don't have to do that if they're apart. You feel much more stable. And if you did start going down, if your feet are apart, you can use your arms. You have time to recover to put your arm on something, your hand on something compared to your feeder. So it's all stuff, but we don't think about it when we're young and we have to readjust our approach to just getting around on a day-to-day basis as we get older, unfortunately. Okay. Well, very good. Where do you train people? I guess it's all in person. So where, you know, and and there are other trainers like you. Yeah, I actually repurposed a home and Made it my business. I train out of this home, this residence. It's the old man muscle gym, and I love it. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in there. And all of my uh, squirrel friends are in the yard. So when I'm not training, I can sit out in the yard and talk to them and pet them and have relationships with squirrels. They are amazing animals. Hmm. Well, they don't bite. I guess, last thing, what are some uh, really interesting or inspiring comments you've gotten from people you've trained for a while? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Um, I don't solicit them, so when they're volunteered, uh, it's just like having a student that you taught and hadn't seen for five or ten years suddenly contact you out of the blue, maybe send you a, an email or a card in the mail and say, if it wasn't for your class or if it wasn't for this, I, I couldn't have achieved what I had. You know, it's just unbelievable. So to answer the question, one of the fellows told me that he had gone on a hiking trip this is after he trained for at least a year and a half with his family, including the, the younglings. And they all commented on how they didn't have to wait for him, that he was kept up with everything. Mm. And he even went ahead on occasion with a smile on his face. So that that's amazing, you know, to hear that. And then another fellow just says he, he wants to keep training indefinitely because of the progress he's made. And he didn't think it would be possible. And so that's just incredible. It's a testimony. I don't have, you know, research data on it, but I have these personal testimonies. There's a gentleman who's a veterinarian in the same age group as as me, and he's had some procedures, surgeries, and so forth to deal with recently, and he sings the praises of the the working out. He said, without this, uh, it'd be pitiful. So that's pretty amazing to me. And in my own case, I broke my hip uh, two years ago, and the, the surgeon said, well, good thing is your bones are strong because you've been strength training. It was a clean break, went clear across the bone, and it's going to heal up fast. As a result, top and bottom are all aligned, and uh, I got out of rehab fairly quickly. It was a, a silly accident where I, I slipped in the kitchen, and he yeah. said I went down at just the, the right angle to break that yeah. top of the femur. Yeah. Right angle being the wrong angle. <laughs> yeah. And I never had anything like that happen before. So it was the, you know, surgery and 
rehab and recovery. But I got back into the gym as quickly as was possible, started doing uh, what I needed to do, and now at distant memory. That's great. So we don't have yeah. to we don't have to give up when we're older. It's probably the bottom line. In fact, we should give up mm. and find out what we need to do to move forward. And That's right. Great. It's excellent. It's, you know, there are anti-aging strategies, and strength training is certainly one of them. Well, Vergen, where's the best place for people to find out more about your work and to look at the things you're doing? Where can they go? Do you have a, uh, a YouTube channel? It's Old Man Muscle. And my name, Peter Morano. I'm sure if, if folks would enter that into the search on YouTube, it would come up. And I'm Old Man Muscle Fitness, I believe is the full term up there. And I, I've created videos and I need to post some new ones for 2023 that include some sample workouts and uh, pep talks for older guys who are thinking about working out but don't know how to begin and so on and so forth. I love doing that. It, it just takes a lot of time to make these videos. <laughs> I'm not the most savvy in terms of uh, production. So I have to um, rely on help from my niece, and she does a good job, but she's in France. So hmm. our schedules are kind of opposite. When I send her stuff, she's not awake. When she sends me stuff, I'm not awake. We'll get it done eventually. Thank you for asking, Old Man Muscle Fitness on YouTube. Very good. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Liz, very much. It was great to talk to you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed. I'm not